Old Testament reading tonight is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Now we turn to the Old Testament and Peter's first letter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Goodness gracious me, I thought I was turning it on, I was turning it off, but there you go. Um, thank you very much, uh, Justin, for your welcome. And um, can I say that um, I really feel <laughs> that I'm about ready to start my ministry. I, I, I feel that you, know, you talked about 60 years, but um, I'm, I'm so embarrassed almost, I think, when I realised I, I, I knew so little and... Um, and it's only um, 
you know, as the years have gone by that I've learned something. So under God, hopefully, uh, I can um, share something beneficial and um, worthwhile with you uh, tonight. But before I speak, uh, let's uh, spend just a short time in prayer. Most magnificent and glorious Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Help us to listen to them, read, make notes, remember and embrace their message so that encouraged and supported by your special revelation to us, we may take into our innermost being and always hang on to the joyful hope and certainty of eternal life which you've given to us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Human beings are, by nature, creatures of hope. We have aspirations and desires. Hope is one of the things that distinguishes us from the animal world. And underlying our hopes is a desire and search for significance, security and satisfaction. We all want to matter to someone. We want to feel secure. We long for our needs and desires to be uh, fully met. Now, at different stages in our lives, we hope for different things. And as I just begin to explain to you what I hope for as a young person, I think I'm conscious that I was very influenced by Hollywood movies. One of my biggest hopes was that I would be part of a loving family. I hoped I would fall in love, marry, and enjoy life with a wonderful wife, a lovely wife, and a wonderful uh, family. Now, without being too coy, I am thankful to God that I have at least realise that dream, though it hasn't been without its issues and its uh, concerns. Now that I've reached the closing years of my life, my hope is that I will stay as well as I can, uh, still enjoy life, and I hope this doesn't sound uh, too religious or pious, but more especially today that I might serve my wife, Shirley, and our family as much as possible. And that is hard to do because the family is now scattered. And further, I hope that I can make a difference to others where I have influence, that I can give my life in serving and loving God and loving people. And where I can, I want to point people to Jesus Christ as the only certain hope in this life and the next. But let me add, I do not live up to my ideals all the time because like all of us, I'm proud, uh, self-centered and sinful. And so this evening, I want to share with you the, the Bible 
God's word uh, view of hope, which raises the question, what are you uh, hoping for? Now, I did prepare this sermon with the early uh, congregation in mind, and I hope what I'm going to say now is not true of you. Or perhaps you have more or less given up hoping at all. Now, someone has said, while there's life, there is hope. And there is. But sooner or later, everything in life is eventually taken from us tragically after a short time of enjoyment. And that's the drift of what uh, Solomon was saying uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes. Now, you're all young. Well, most of you. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, life, and it's great. Yes, you're looking forward to your lives and you want to enjoy life uh, as as much as you uh, possibly can. But let's be realistic And you need to take this on board. Sooner or later, everything in this life is eventually taken from us after a a tragically slightly long or perhaps a shorter time of enjoyment. Now, when thinking about our aspirations and desires, there are two kinds of hope. Uh, One we could call uh, fond hope, and the other is certain hope. Uh, Dr. Tim Keller, an American preacher and writer whom we quote uh, often here at, um, uh, well, in Church Hill, says, the word hope in English is rather weak. To hope is to want something without certainty. But the Greek word underlying hope in the Bible means a conviction. Christian hope is not a hopeful wish, it's a hope-filled certainty. Now, way back in the first century, um, the Apostle Peter wrote a a letter to a small group of Christians scattered across, across what we today call Turkey. And life at the time was tough. Uh, Poverty, sickness and death were rife. Uh, Conflict and war was everywhere, like in the Middle East today. The health standards, medical services and the standard of living we enjoy today just did not exist. In addition, Christians were under the constant uh, threat of persecution because they did not worship the pagan Greek, Roman and other gods of the day. Like many Christians in the world today, they were treated as outcasts and aliens. I suppose that was one of your themes in uh, Revelation at Rivendell, those of you uh, who went there. They were excluded from society. Their livelihood and lives were at risk. Many lived under the threat of beatings, imprisonment, and even death. The early Christians were treated as outcasts and aliens. They were excluded from society, and their prospects and hopes in life were bleak. Now, the Apostle Peter 
wrote to these Christians to encourage them, he explained that despite outward appearances, their well-being in this life and after death was safe and secure. They had a sure and certain hope in the plan and purpose of God in their present situation and even in death uh, and for all eternity. And why? Because their faith and hope was anchored in God's saving activity. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God's Messiah, theirs and ours. And so I want just to look at these opening verses in the first letter of Peter to see what we can learn about sure and certain hope, no matter what our age is or what our circumstances may be. Peter is telling us that through a personal faith relationship with Jesus Christ, and he, he wrote, Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, as the Apostle Peter begins to write about the only grounds for sure and certain hope, he directs a prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God our Heavenly Father. He says... Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Certain hope begins not merely with an abstract belief that there is a God who controls all things in our, dest in our destiny. Now, of course, it does uh, certainly... Uh, well, it's based upon that fact... But certain hope is only found in a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is when we pray, and when we say, for example, give thanks and praise to God, our Heavenly Father, from the heart, by faith we encounter and connect with the one true God. We open ourselves to his loving and caring presence. We allow him to uphold and assure us. Now Paul continues. In his great mercy, God our Heavenly Father has given us new birth into a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God, our Heavenly Father, through the resurrection of Jesus, has given every true believer new uh, spiritual life. He gave it first to Jesus, but not only to Jesus, but to his followers too. 
Peter was reminding his first followers to whom he wrote, and us, they were spiritually alive through Jesus Christ's resurrection. So, do you get it? If you have turned to God, repented of your sin, and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Saviour from your sins and Lord of your life, you too have been given a spiritual life. This action by God is so radical that Peter tells us we've gone through a process of new birth. We are in fact born all over again. We're born anew. We're made spiritually alive when previously we were spiritually dead. Apart from Christ, we were cut off from God because of our sinful nature with which uh, we were born and also because of the sins uh, we have committed. But now we are alive in Christ because of his death for our sins and uh, the new life he gives us through his resurrection. Jesus said on one particular occasion when he raised a friend Lazarus from the dead, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though she or he dies, yet shall they live. And whoever lives in me shall never die. This is the basis of our certain hope, which Peter calls living hope. Our hope in Christ is anchored certainly in the past because Jesus died and rose again for us. Our hope remains in the present because Jesus rose and lives in us. Our hope will be completed in the future because Jesus has promised to return. Peter goes on to tell his uh, first readers and, and us, those who are born anew and made spiritually alive by God have an inheritance that is guaranteed. An inheritance they can never lose or that can never be taken and away from them. To quote Peter, we've been born anew into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Most of us, well, I'm talking about my generation anyway, most of us attempted at some point in life to envy those whose financial future is secure as a result of the circumstances of their birth. The sons and daughters in families like the Packers and the Reinhardts are heirs to a fortune. Also, when we hear that someone has won lotto or a lottery, well, perhaps we might find ourselves wishing it was us. I can't help but think of our, our local news agency. I go down there to buy a paper and I see people my age and even older you know, putting all their money in to get all these, these, these lottery tickets and, you know, and so that they're going to, you know, win a fortune. And I, 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 it just horrifies me. I just think, you, 
how futile this all is. Even if you win the lottery, uh, it's not going to solve your problems and it certainly won't uh, prepare you for eternity. God and his word assures us that his followers have a better inheritance than any millionaire or lottery can give us. A lasting treasure is kept for his followers in God's new heavens and God's new earth. But Peter writes not simply that believers have a treasure as their inheritance. He took an image, a picture from the Old Testament in the Bible. We read in the Bible that God gave the land of Canaan uh, to his people as their inheritance. God gave every tribe, every person, every family a share with lasting rights and ownership of a portion of land. And Peter, in his letter, is taking up this image and reminding us that believers belong to God's family and God's community, the new people of God. We are partakers and have a share in God's eternal home and country, the new heavens and the earth. Life in our inheritance is beyond our understanding and imaginings. We will all be safe and secure. Our need for significance and to belong uh, will be met. All our needs and desires will be fully satisfied. It'll be wonderful, beautiful, joyful, interesting and magnificent. The Bible elsewhere mentions things like the most magnificent garden city that perfectly combines all the most beautiful uh, cities and towns and landscapes in our present world only better. We will be as God designed and intended us to be. We will know God and enjoy him with God's people forever. We will dwell in a, a perfect community and a home where all our needs and are more than want, where there'll be love, care, and satisfying relationships. Unlike our present homes, possessions, and life, our inheritance uh, with God will never perish, spoil, or fade. It will last forever. It will not and cannot be destroyed even if there's a nuclear war. There won't be a nuclear war in heaven. It cannot be polluted by evil or badness. And just think how our lives are messed up by the evil in us, but also the, the evil in our world. It will not be subject to deterioration or decay. To reassure us further, Peter writes, this Inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. God in his word is promising us 
that he is guarding and protecting our inheritance forever. By his almighty power, the power with which he created and now sustains the universe, by which he raised Jesus from the dead and by which he will raise us and all God's people on the last day when Jesus uh, comes again. About 120 years ago, uh, a famous uh, American evangelist, D.L. Moody, uh, he was the late 19th century Billy Graham, said to a large audience, it was, I think it was a great crusade and it was probably in a place like Chicago or some other uh, big city in America, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't believe a word of it. At that moment, I will be more alive than I am now. I, have sh I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin uh, cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto Christ's glorious body. To a greater or lesser degree, our lives are, and all our lives, to the day we die, will be, to some degree, marked by disappointment, hardship, loss, pain, suffering, and of course we all age and die. And so this raises for us the question, so what will help us in good times and hard times to have an unfailing hope that all is well? Yes, every day of our life, and it will be after death. Let me just briefly uh, mention four things. Firstly, let's each day start with connecting with God, our Heavenly Father, through prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be long, involved uh, prayers. It can be just like uh, using a phrase in the, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Or it can be perhaps uh, using uh, Peter's words, blessed be, the, blessed be you, um, God, the Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the critical thing is to, is to connect with God so that God is not just somebody who is remote and different. God is somebody there with us. Perhaps even as we open our eyes or certainly as, well, I shave. I was going to say as you shave, but I realise some of you don't. Um, but anyway, you, you get the idea. Second, we need to entrust ourselves each day to Jesus and to think of him and to re rely upon him uh, throughout the day. We need to um, imprint in our minds a fact based on the word of God that if we have believed in Jesus Christ and have accepted him as Saviour and Lord, we are spiritually alive and different persons and Christ is with us and, and Christ lives um, Christ, we are we are in Christ's presence uh, all, all our days. It, it's important that we just 
realise the presence of Christ with us at points in the day. I realise you can't do that all the time, but it's a good idea to think and remind ourselves of this fact. And then third, we need to recall on a regular basis that we have an eternal inheritance in God's new heaven and earth. Now, that's going to be harder for you than for me, or many of you than me. You know why? Because I'm much older. <laughs> and I mean, what? I don't know how long have I got to live? A couple of years? Five years? I'm, ten years will certainly see me out. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's and, and you know, I've got arthritis and, you know, other things wrong me. So, so you know, life can at times be a bit of a struggle. And so, uh, this... Anyway, I won't keep going along this line, but, you know, this life doesn't have as much pleasure for me today as it did when I was the age of uh, some of you young people, although I still like things and I, I, st I still enjoy things, so it's easy for me, well, okay, uh, I'm not going to live all that long, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think often about heaven because that's my true home and that's where things uh, are going to be better, but can I just be quite frank, uh, you don't know, you know, when you're going to die. Um, anyway, I won't go over my life and talk about all the young people that I've horribly uh, had to, to, uh, uh, to bury. And also, I, while I'm talking along this vein, I might just mention that when I was the age of some of you here, uh, you know, I talked about my dreams about marriage and life. I hoped that Jesus wouldn't come again before I was able to all those, enjoy all those things. Um, but all of us need to and this, uh, this is a matter of balance. Uh, think about enjoying all the good things of this life, but also uh, keep before us the idea of our eternal home. Well, finally, the, the fourth thing that I'll mention is that if we are to retain our hope, we are to rely upon the promises God gives us in his word. And we've uh, looked at one uh, here tonight. Let me finish uh, with a poem uh, from uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, a 19th century Scottish novelist and traveller. The stars shine over the mountains. The stars shine over the seas. The stars look up at the mighty God. The stars look down on me. The stars will last for a million years, a million years and a day. But God and I will live in love when the stars have passed away. Let's just pray briefly. Heavenly Father, we honour, praise and thank you for the inheritance that you've planned and prepared for us. It, it just astounds us. Help us each day of our lives even before we receive it in full, to live as those who are pleasing to you by endeavouring by your Holy Spirit to be pure and undefiled. Today and always, enable us to place our hope in Jesus, his life, death and resurrection in making us forgiven, righteous and new people. Amen.